TikTok influencers may be scaring patients away from IUDs. Researchers at Duke University found that far more of the 100 most viewed posts about the long-acting contraceptive devices were negative in tone than positive. Nearly a quarter of the posts contain inaccurate scientific claims, and more than a quarter featured a distrust of healthcare providers. Doctors are worried that this could deter young and sexually active people from using one of the most effective forms of birth control. This is Pulse Check. I'm Alex Miranda Olstein. The FDA has rejected pharmaceutical company Eli Lilly's bid for accelerated approval status for its new Alzheimer's drug Donanumab, arguing there isn't enough data on the drug's impact on patients over time. The agency said the company will have to run clinical trials on at least 100 patients for at least a year to win approval. The Indiana Supreme Court is set to rule any day now on the state's near-total abortion ban, which passed in August and was blocked by a lower court in September. During oral arguments on the case last week, state officials argued that there is no right to abortion in the state's constitution, while groups challenging the ban said it violates the right to manage one's own life. And you may have seen empty shelves at your local pharmacy. Aaron Shoemaker is here to talk with me about widespread drug shortages. Want to welcome to the podcast for the very first time my new colleague, Aaron. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. You have been doing some very interesting reporting on something a lot of us have been seeing in real life, which is empty shelves at pharmacies. Um, a lot of people haven't been able to refill their prescriptions for certain things and even some over-the-counter, you know, children's medicine for basic cold and flu and other things have, have not been available. Is this becoming more common? So it's not just you, uh, but it's also not exactly what you think, and it's not necessarily becoming more common. I'll tell you a little bit more about it. So the shortages that you're seeing at the store, I'm talking brand name prescriptions like Adderall and Kids Tylenol, that's actually a pretty rare situation. What's more common are the shortages of generic drugs used in hospitals that you might not even hear about. And just to put some numbers to that, Erin Fox, a drug shortage expert who I spoke with for the story, said her team is currently tracking 290 active shortages. Just a handful of those are driven by consumer demand. But also, I understand what you're saying. The, the shortages of Adderall and kids' Tylenol have gotten a ton of attention. Why have, you know, the demand shortages sort of gotten more attention than the supply chain shortages? Okay, I'm so glad you asked. So shortages of the common over-the-counter or prescription drugs are a big deal for consumers. Like if your kid is sick and you can't find medicine for them or you have ADHD and you can't fill your prescription for Adderall, that's a big deal. I can understand why people are super upset. But on the other hand, there's something about the nature of these shortages that's just more attention-grabbing than shortages of IV drugs in hospitals. And if you think of the case of the diabetes drug Ozempic, that shortage was spurred by TikTok influencers recommending the drug off-label for weight loss. Uh, they bought so much of the drug that people with diabetes had a hard time getting their medicine. And I mean, that's wild. I can see why it's gotten a lot of attention. So, you know, there are a lot of different entities that potentially could do something about this problem. What is the government doing, specifically the FDA, or what could they do? Yeah, so the FDA does do a lot already to prevent supply shortages. 
Companies are required to notify the FDA about supply or manufacturing disruptions. And the FDA has actually prevented hundreds of shortages from happening over the past five years. Demand shortages are a different story. It's really hard to predict when a TikTok trend or a surge in Adderall prescriptions is going to happen. And what about the drug companies themselves? What could they do or what are they doing? Yes. So the consensus among everyone I spoke with is that, yes, there is a lot more that drug companies could be doing. While the companies are required to report supply disruptions to the FDA, you know, uh, contamination at factories, for example, reporting spikes in demand is completely voluntary. And if the FDA knew ahead of time that companies were seeing demand spikes, they could do more to prevent the problem. And so what are you watching going forward on this front? Obviously, the problem is not solved. Yeah, so health manufacturing is pretty complex. Generic drug makers, again, that's the more pervasive problem here. They operate with slim profit margins. Uh, As a result, they're really reluctant to produce more product than they know they can sell. That said, uh, what we're talking about with the transparency and with uh, giving the FDA a heads up about spikes in demand, allowing them to do more to prevent shortages before they happen, it would take a law to make that reporting required instead of voluntary. Well, we will be watching all of this closely. Thanks so much for coming on to tell us about a very serious problem that's not getting enough attention. Thanks so much for having me. Anti-abortion activists gathered on the National Mall in D.C. on Friday on what would have been the 50th anniversary of Roe vs. Wade. I went down to the annual March for Life to see what they're pushing for now that they've achieved their longtime goal of overturning Roe. I'm down at the National Mall in D.C. packed with anti-abortion demonstrators. They say they're very energized by the overturn of Roe, which has cleared the way for about a quarter of the country to ban abortion so far, with more states expected to attempt to pass bans this year. Um, And for the first time ever, the march is going uh, to the Capitol as well as the Supreme Court, and that's meant to symbolize the push that they hope to make in the future for a national ban on abortion. For years leading up to the Supreme Court's ruling, the anti-abortion argument against Roe was that it prevented uh, states from choosing their abortion laws for themselves. But uh, now we are hearing them say that they want a national restriction on abortion um, rather than letting blue states uh, continue to protect the procedure. During the speeches just before the march kicked off, uh, there was sort of a call to arms on that front to continue pressuring lawmakers at both the state and federal level to impose these restrictions. But there's also a celebratory atmosphere out here. Uh, There were bagpipes, there were marching bands, there were um, chants and singing and um, just a a pretty festive atmosphere. Uh, They really feel that they are at the beginning of an era where they can make significant wins on the anti-abortion front.
and that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting, Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.